You're listening to KTDTLP Tucson, Downtown Radio 99.1 FM. You are listening to The Depression Session at 99.1 FM, Downtown Radio. Each week, we'll have a new guest tell the story of their depression. I'm your host, Laura Milkins, and thank you for joining us on The Depression Session. Just a note for my listeners, I want to make sure you understand that this is a show about depression, and some of the content can be triggering, so please take care of yourself if something on the show brings up difficult feelings, and seek professional help if you need it. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to The Depression Session on Downtown Radio. Today we have with us in the studio, Viola. Viola is a musician. We'll be right back with Viola, but first, let's talk about Gray. I have talked on this show a number of times that my experience of depression is kind of a graying of the world. Like, it's not a necessarily even a sad feeling, just things feel gray. And I found that in that experience, it, it's something that I've heard of from other people, that the world feels gray, or, or literally for me, some of the color seems to go out of the world. And I'm an artist. I'm a very visual person. So I looked this up, and from Harvard Health Publishing... There's an article called The Quirky Brain, How Depression May Alter Visual Perception. This is from November 2010. When someone is depressed, the world may seem flat or monochrome, even tinged with blue and gray. For a long time, researchers assumed this was a purely psychological phenomenon, but a study suggests that changes in visual perception in people who are depressed may have a biological basis. Researchers at the Albert Ludwig University of Friedberg in Germany recruited 80 people to participate in their study of visual processing. 40 participants were diagnosed with major depression, according to criteria listed in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 4th edition. 20 were taking antidepressants at the time of the study, while the others were not. The other 40 participants, who scored in the normal range on two common depression screening tests, served as controls. Previous studies in the impact of depression on vision have asked participants to report subjective perception of colors and contrasts. To obtain a more objective measure, the German researchers attached electrodes near participants' eyes to record electrical responses in the retina, as study participants viewed a series of checkerboard patterns with varying degrees of black and white contrast. The retina contains cells that react to different wavelengths of light and in turn transmit electrical signals that travel along the optic nerve to the brain, where the information is interpreted as color, shape, and contrast. When compared with health controls, the participants with major depression, whether they were on medication or not, were significantly less able to detect differences in black and white contrast on the checkerboards. The researchers also found a significant association between severity of depression as measured by clinical instruments and perception of contrast. The lowest electrical recordings of retinal activity occurred in those participants who were the most depressed. The study thus suggests that one reason the world may seem gray when people are depressed is impaired contrast perception. Future research is necessary to replicate the findings and to determine what other factors such as impaired visual functioning within the brain may contribute. So I think that's really fascinating that my perception of the world being grayed down when I have depression may actually be a real visual phenomenon. And it's 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 a little sad that so many artists get depression because of course then your world is becoming more gray. But then again, maybe there's nothing wrong with that. A grayed out world makes you want to work with color, <laughs> makes you want to express something. So on that note, 
I'll just go with today's announcements. Have you ever thought about where your money goes once you spend it? When you buy local, bank local, and eat local, up to four times more money stays in our community to create jobs and prosperity all around us. Local First Arizona is strengthening Tucson's economy by making it fun and easy to go local. You can visit localfirstaz.com for a directory of thousands of locally owned businesses and tons of events around the state. localfirstaz.com. So today we have in this in the studio Viola. Viola is a musician. Hello Viola and welcome to the Depression Session. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks so much for being on the show. So tell tell our viewers what's new with you. What what's up in your life? Um, right now, I'm in Tallahassee, Florida, and I've been here for almost one and a quarter year. And I'm doing my master's in music theory here, and I do teach a lot of freshman students. And I myself have had a very hard time adjusting my life here. I was originally from Hong Kong, and I did my undergraduate in Kansas, and then I come here and. It has been a lot of changes in my life, and there are a lot of uncertainties which make me feel feel very anxious. And in, at the same time, that's how I got into depression. That makes sense. I remember I came here to Arizona actually for graduate school. I actually made a very conscious decision to go somewhere sunny. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just happened that Florida here it has a really wonderful school for what I'm studying. And I must say, Florida's weather does not appeal to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's sunny and dry here in the desert, so that I love. <laughs> but it's super hot as far as I know. Yes, it is. This time of year, it's not. It's perfect. It's beautiful. I wish I could have that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dad lived in Florida for... Oh, 10 years or something like that. And it's it's muggy and hot and <laughs> mosquitoes and I don't know. <laughs> and humidness is equally awful. So so what type of music do you do? Um, I am right now more like analyzing music, but in terms of a composer, I do like to write for maybe two to three people. So kind of like a small ensemble thing and I write concert music, and I kind of write something that is not necessarily experimental, but it is definitely not for general public because it consists of really free form, and it can sound very, very weird to a lot of people's ears. Just now, you were talking about how you, as an artist, feel great when you are you are in depression, and for me. Was that when I listen to music, even if it was like really, really upbeat and happy music, it just doesn't have any effects on me. But when I listen to something that is just slightly more emotional, I just start crying. I've thought so. I've thought over the years that music is a more powerful medium than art, mm-hmm. even though I'm an artist and I'm a very visual person, because our bodies are so much water, and music yes. is vibration. And, That's interesting. Yeah, and so I, I feel like in my worst moments, music is very helpful. Or it can make it very bad for my case. <laughs> yeah. But in return, I do find like abstract art really helped me in seeing a bigger world. And actually last week I was in um, Washington and I went to the Holocaust Museum and there was an installation of literally four big white paints but it is not 
perfectly white because there is like really really small marks here and there. While most of the people just walked by and not noticing what's going on, I actually spent a good five minutes just to appreciate those tiny marks, and that really struck me. That's beautiful. You don't have to be a musician to appreciate music, and you don't have to be an artist to appreciate artwork. Absolutely, and I just feel that we should keep an open mind in whatever medium or. Media or art that has been created, because you never know what is going to happen and how you are responding to that. And I, t- I tell my students, everyone's an artist. If you are human, you will, you are an artist in some way. You have something creative in you. I completely agree. Couldn't be put in a better way. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, Viola, tell us the story of your depression. Mm-hmm. Sure. I started having my app. Depression episode when I was um, possibly starting from last year, but before that I have a lot of family issues. My mom is having some kind of schizophrenia, which we never get to seek the help that we needed because she is also deaf, but she is kind of able to pull herself together. That she's like not creating a lot of suicidal thoughts or any trouble. So. According to the Hong Kong social work situation, where after, like there are way too many patients needed help, she actually is not the one who is on the top priority. So she never got help, and my teenage life has always been suffered from her really mean words, and I've always have like really low self confidence, and it definitely becomes much augmented when I come to Tallahassee when. I am at a school that is very, very competitive. They are expecting their graduates to have 100% employment rate in my program, and I was feeling that I was not equipped to do what I wanted to do in music theory, and I was not feeling that I have a bunch of friends who I can talk to that shares a wider world feel that. The world is not just about music. That to me is very important. But unfortunately, I haven't got that here. And then I also met my then boyfriend, who himself is a therapist. But as we are growing into a relationship, more and more conflicts happen because of our weaknesses. Kind of are in the same area. He needs a lot of confirmation. He needs a lot of support, while I equally need that much. So there are more and more times when he is complaining that I was not being as supportive and as vocal as he wanted me to be. I start constantly blaming myself. I'm not doing well enough. I am just a bad person. And eventually, this mindset just grows so deep inside me that whenever he has a tiny little critical comments. It really becomes something really big inside me, and it grows into really bad anxiety as well. And eventually, possibly a month ago, he made a really, really small comments on me not saying one single word that he was hoping to hear, and it grows to be a really, really big anxiety panic. And I was throwing things. I was crying like crazy, and I was screeching, and I just totally lost control. Even though by then I already had two months of medications and counseling, but 
I still haven't been able to find a way to cope with my panic attacks. And right after all this throwing and terrible things happened, I saw him crying. And I was so deep inside, feeling so awful that I couldn't control myself. And because of that, we separated for now, but then I stay at my own place and I start asking myself, what can I do to stop this from happening? Even though I was having medication, I was receiving regular counseling, it seems to me that that's not enough. So I started to reach out and look for more help from mobile apps. I started practicing yoga every day. I start meditation and I even try online counseling. And all of a sudden with the meditation and yoga, it really helped me to identify how peaceful I can be inside. And soon after that, after this happened, and one week later, my composition professor passed away. And I was so surprised because that was a very sad moment when I realized that I happened to miss my lesson because of the panic attack two weeks before his death. And I swapped my lesson time with another student for that week. He was working all the way till the night before we had my, our lesson. I was at his office the day after he passed away and no one was there. I, I knocked on his door. I sent him an email, no response. And then I learned from another professor that he actually passed away the night before. That was really surprising for me. And I was just feeling having so much regret because I that day, I actually was about to present him a finished song that was inspired by my depression. I was writing something that is, where is happiness? How can we find happiness? And it is actually one of the three songs that I'm going to write. So we will start with what is happiness, and then I will ask why there are so many ugly things happening in the world. And then finally, I learned that it is all just part of life. You just have to let it flow and enjoy the ride. So even though his passing away was so sad, I did learn how to control my breath. I learned how to meditate and I learned that he worked all the way to the end of his life is actually such a beautiful thing. And I'm very glad and grateful that he had so little suffering and he get to, he got to do things all the way to the end of his life. I couldn't find a better way for his life to end. So in that sense, even though I was, I was grieving, I am still feeling very peaceful at the end. And I know I have learned a very big lesson here and I actually have control of my life. Then I have got multiple students in my classroom right now. I'm teaching freshmen in their music theory. And I have noticed that there are way more students having emotional issues than when I was a freshman. And even last year, I have had multiple students who have different issues. They tend to be just one, one thing only, or like a very, very trauma, traumatic moment. But I have a student who is having some really similar issue with me, and I would like to talk a little bit about her. 
So she was a very, very bright student. She's mellow. She's sweet. But then one day, on the day that she has to take her midterm, and that was a one-to-one exam, I saw her just completely devastated, and I just asked what happened to her. So two days before her exam. She has known that her sister is having cancer. Her boyfriend break up with her, and it was her grandpa's two years anniversary of his death. So there was a lot of things that really struck her, and she just broke down and cried right after I asked what happened. And after I listened to all of her stories, the first thing I tell her was, "Please don't feel that you are the one who is wrong." Because I can sense that she feels so much, so much guilt in herself that she really needs someone to tell her that. As if I, if I were her, I wish someone had told me that. And I just talked to her, how I suffered similar things with her, and I just want her to get all the help and therapy as she needs. So yesterday she sent me an email about what are her plans next semester. As she was feeling so much stress at my school, and that does not really fit well with what she wants to do with her life, she decided to transfer to another school that is more much smaller, and that actually fits in her wants much better. And I was very happy for her, and I thought maybe she has figured things out. But unfortunately, while she was in class, I saw her looked absolutely exhausted and frustrated, and she just. Looks great to me, and I just asked her what happened, what how she's feeling, and she was telling me that she was feeling very unable to focus, which leads to some bad grades in her classes, and she's just feeling so tired and exhausted. And when I listened to all those things, that totally reminded me what happened to me in the past year. I was equally frustrated, tired, not able to concentrate on anything. While my grades haven't really suffered, I definitely felt that I haven't learned as much as I wished to. So, with all these physical responses that I recognized from her, and I immediately just say, "You need to see that doctor, and hopefully you'll get some medical help because even though she's going to counseling every week now." Sometimes medication actually helps with physical responses, and that is actually part of the therapy that one might need. And because of that, as well as multiple of my students are having very similar issues, and there are actually more than one freshman that I knew has suicidal thoughts in their first year of college, and that really makes me think. Maybe our generation, including me myself, have lived in such a stable and harmonious society for a little while, but we are gradually getting into a chaotic world when our job future is not secure. We see the society having more fluctuations, and there are a lot of things that just doesn't seem to make sense. We start to feel a lot of disappointments. We feel a lot of stress, and then eventually it will become something that is way too big for us to really understand. And we are not equipped to experience that through our prior education or our upbringing. So right now, as a college teacher, I'm seeing how this has influenced the students in terms of their mental health, well-being, as well as. 
their performance at school, a lot of people would ask, "What just happened to them?" But maybe we should ask, "How can we help them getting through all these difficulties and give them the support and guidance?" Just hope that less people would experience the difficult transition like me, as well as my path. And my current students, and many, many more students who have suffered from depression or whatever mental issues that they have, because it is definitely growing to be a trend. And I really hope that by sharing my own story and my experience with a student, that more people can really think about how much stress millennials are experiencing and what they really need. To get them to a healthy adult, Viola, thanks so much for your story. Appreciate that. Yeah, I relate to so much in your story. Actually, <laughs> the first thing I wanted to mention was the boyfriend because my boyfriend and I both have depression, and sometimes it's a real negative the way、yes. we interact with each other when we're. If if one of us is doing poorly, it's easier than if both of us are doing poorly. <laughs> yeah, that that I don't know whether it's a positive feedback loop or negative feedback loop because I'm I used to study engineering and to me negative feedback loop is supposedly making things less and less terrible. But that's why I was thinking it is a positive feedback on. One's negative feelings actually augments the other. That often comes to something that is utterly stupid. Like you just don't have to argue on those things in such rigor, but it just happened that we couldn't control our emotions. Yeah, I, I very much relate to that. <laughs> and then, that of course, <laughs> yeah, and and it's it's. I mean, relationships are challenging anyway. They just are, and I've thought a lot about why is it if a friend of mine says something or does something I doesn't don't like or just can't show up for something, they just can't come. I I don't care. I I sometimes my feelings are hurt, but it's not that big a deal. Right. But someone who I'm dating, it becomes this huge thing. Yes. And, absolutely. And your emotions, you can't. In a, a like romantic relationship, I think it's a lot harder to moderate your emotions, right? Because But, we are like so much invested emotionally, and even for him, he knows that I am a very caring person, and I am able to lift a lot of people up. As I told you, that I listen to my students very wholeheartedly, and I really wish them the best. But you just can't do it in a romantic relationship when you actually want. A more committed relationship, as well as you want to, sadly, selfishly, you want something from your partner. Yes, sometimes that is a very different mindset. Exactly, and it's not that I don't want something from my friends. I do, but it's not on the same level. And then on that same note, I also think that you can provide space. Of course, with your partner, you can't in the same way. But providing that space with your students is something I also really relate to. And one of the things I definitely struggle in my current class is that a lot of them might already thought that they know a lot of things, but they actually don't. And with the system that my school is teaching, it is very, very rigorous. And to me, sometimes it's almost cherry picking. So I know a lot of students get very frustrated with 
the things that they are learning and what they're supposed to enjoy because they all become music majors for a certain reason. So this, yesterday I decided that I'm going to ask them to do an assignment on analyzing pieces that they have never heard of. In fact, they are all avant-garde. <laughs> so, supposedly they are learning how to sing the Remy and that's about it. But all of a sudden I throw them pieces that they might have never exposed to. And I asked them, just respond to the sound and tell me what they think. And for that particular student, I actually asked her, outside of the technical discussion, can you tell me a little bit about the emotional response that the piece triggered you? And I found her words to be very, very moving. She was writing a piece for, by John Cage. It is a sonata for, for prepared piano. So it's basically someone put, pre uh, put some screws and cords and rubber inside the piano and making it very, very different. And she actually was able to recall some of the happy memories she had in high school because they actually performed something like that there. And I hope that it's actually something that could lift her up and imagine that even though studying music is really hard, and I never say studying music is an enjoyable process because it's not, but to be able to still respond to music emotionally seems to be something that we have not really done well in their college education. And I just really hope that this reminded them that there are many, many reasons to enjoy music and to react to art and to react to themselves. Yeah, and I feel that having depression makes me a much better teacher. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree more because you're much more attuned to the smallest issue that the students have. And I would say even though last year I have had students with similar episodes, all I could offer was just talk to me or I could give them a hug and just let them know that the space is here. But now I can actually tell them, I experienced that. I know your feeling. And I would be able to guide you to whatever help you need or you can find. And then the last thing I want to talk about that I found very interesting, and I've thought about this a bit, is just a generational thing. Like what mm -hmm. what has happened with the millennial generation? Is, is, is it because we know more about depression and mental health and we're more open so more people are seeking help? Or is there something in our world that is off? That, like you said, that it that is making it really hard to be a young person these days. I think it goes both ways, to be honest. And one of the things that I noticed from my students that are different from me is that they are very bad at dealing with criticisms. I am guessing it might be because of the parenting style as well as their grade school education has been emphasizing so much on rewarding and positive reinforcements, they have not really received the harsh reality yet. So when it comes to college, they are dealing with a lot of gray areas. They are studying things that might not always have a correct answer that they could be said, yes, you're correct, great job. Or it might just be all of a sudden no one is helping them. So that part is definitely the difficulty for becoming an adult in this years. While I also think that the transparency of mental illnesses are so important in helping people to realize what is happening and they are more willing to seek help. For example, for my 
mom and dad's generation, they don't even know what mental illness were back in Hong Kong. The promotion from government does not happen until the late 90s. So they have never really learned about that, and all they thought is that mental disorder means you're in a mental hospital and everything is going to be terrible. So there's definitely a very big change in the attitude towards mental problems or illnesses. At the same time, I think we both agree that the world is getting more and more unpredictable. Yes. And, <laughs> and I definitely feel that while the world is getting smaller with the help of internet, I see more and more people are having difficulties in finding the employment that they want in the future. And even if they have the job that they wanted, the salary is something that they worry a lot. And there are tons of blogs telling you how to be a money hoarder, how to be very, very frugal living, and how to get all the freebies and stuff. Like, we are all having really basic needs to be worried about already. And then we look at the news. We don't know what's going on. And there are just so many things coming together for millennials. And I think sometimes it is good because we are aware of that, the problems that we have. But at the same time, I just wish the world has a little bit more beauty that we can appreciate. Wow. Well, that is a perfect note to end the show on. <laughs> I'm glad to have that. Thank you so much for being on the Depression Session. My absolute pleasure and honor. Thank you so much. I want to mention again that if you found some of the content of today's episode triggering, please seek professional help and call 911 if you feel like hurting yourself or others. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this show and the station are not endorsing any remedies or products. The purpose of this show is to destigmatize depression through storytelling. You can find a link to mental health services on downtownradio.org on the About KTDT page. To listen to the podcast, or if you're interested in being on the show, contact us at www.thedepressionsession.com. You've been listening to The Depression Session on Downtown Radio Tucson with music by Septa Helix. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Depression Session Podcast. Thank you.